0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. It's always a
1: privilege to to be able to dedicate babies, because the church is growing one way or the other. Amen? Hallelujah. So we just love that. We love them. And uh, I believe in God for. Just great time in their life, amen. So I would normally say to you, uh, "Open your Bibles up." But this morning, uh, it's going to be a little different today. And it worked out this morning. So in the eight thirty service, we had a great time. I I am not going to focus on one particular scripture today and and work through that. I'm I'm going to look at a thought that is captured throughout Scripture. Now, hang on, you might be saying, oh, are you, are you going to use the Bible? Absolutely. <clears throat> We're going to go through a lot of Scripture, but I'm not going to have like that one verse. And so I'm kind of going to just express what God has put on my heart. And so I'm just going to talk to you today. Is that okay? And it's going to be a little bit different, but it, I think it's going to be all right. I think God's going to help you. See, there's a story that's found in the Word of God, and this is kind of a little bit of a moment moment of confession, okay? So there's a story found in the Word of God that really bugs me. Have you ever found a story in the Word of God that bugs you? You read it and you go, that ain't fair. I don't don't know if I like this. In fact, this particular story actually angers me. I know. I, I mean, I had to talk to Jesus about it, and we talked about it. We worked it out. I was wrong, and he was right, and so, but we, we got it settled, you know. How, have you ever had that moment where it's like, okay, all right, Jesus, I know you're trying to make a point, but we got to really kind of work some things out, and thank God he's patient, Amen. And he kind of lets us do our thing, but in this moment, in these times where I have read this particular scripture before, it has bothered me just because of the the way Jesus talks here. And it's found in Matthew 17. I'm not going to take the time to go there and read this story, but it's Matthew 17 starting in verse 14, and it's the story when a man, a father, brings his son uh, to the disciples who appears to be suffering what... We would call today epilepsy. He's having seizures. The, the, the father describes that the, the son is being thrown into the fire, into the water. We know there's a, a spirit at work here. And the father brings this young man to the disciples, and they prayed, but nothing happened. Okay, so they prayed, they do their thing, nothing happened. And then Jesus, the Bible tells us, and in this story, Jesus comes on the scene, and he's coming from a pretty incredible prayer meeting. You say, well, what is that prayer? It was the moment when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, he's glorified. You know, this is a pretty, this is a, that's, hey, if you go to a prayer meeting and people start glowing white, and the voice, audible voice of the Lord goes, this is my beloved son, listen to him. That's a pretty good prayer meeting. You know, I, I don't like rating things, but that's pretty high up. And so Jesus is coming from this incredible prayer meeting and he comes into this situation. He sees the crowd. He asks what's going on and the father comes to Jesus and says, hey, he says, I brought my son to your disciples but these guys couldn't get nothing done. Is there any way you can help me? And Jesus says, yeah, bring the boy to me. And he prays for him and the boy is immediately healed. Now, here is the frustrating thing to me. It's because later on in the story, Jesus responds to his disciples, and I don't like his response. Amen? Have you ever not liked God's response? Let's just get honest. Can Can we get honest? There's times God does things, and you think in your mind, if I was God, I wouldn't have done that. And God goes, I'm glad you're not me. If I was God, the earth would not be in real good shape. Let me, let me just say, it's, it's a good thing that God is God and I am not, amen? But in this particular story, Jesus responds to his disciples, and listen to what the Bible says in verse 19. It says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, hey, how come we couldn't cast this thing out? So Jesus says to them, because of your unbelief, I, you know, Pastor Jesus here, I think, needs to go to sensitivity training. I, I mean, because you know, Jesus has—he—he he has looked at his disciples, and he looked at Peter one time and says, "Get behind me, Satan, for you do not savor the things of God." Can you imagine what you would do if I said that to you? Here, you call me up, you say, "Hey, Pastor, can I come in for counseling?" Yeah, you know, you know my story. Monday at ten o'clock. Come on in. So you come in, I'm sitting there, I listen to your story, and I don't say no, nah, I just look, I, you know, Larry Larry comes in, I look at Larry and I go, "Get behind me, devil." I'm thinking Larry's looking for a new church. But Jesus doesn't pull any punches, does he? He just looks at him and he goes, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. Now think about that. Because of your unbelief. We don't like that statement. If somebody comes to you, and I've had people come to me and ask me, why aren't my prayers answered? And if you say to them, because you have unbelief. Because you're unbelieving. Because you're not believing. People get upset about that. I've gotten upset about that. What do you mean I don't believe? It's almost as if he's he's saying to them, you guys don't have any faith. And it seems a little harsh to me. It's kind of insulting. Because this was not these guys' first rodeo. I mean, they have ministered to sick people before with miraculous results. They've raised the dead. I mean, they've seen blind eyes open. They've seen deaf ears open. In fact, one time when they came back from a missionary journey, they were so excited about the fact that the demons were subject to them in the name of Jesus, they come in and that's the first thing they say to Jesus. They're excited and listen to Jesus' response. Don't be excited about that. Just be glad your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Does that bug you? I mean, you know, I'm excited. The de- You know, if I see a demon running because I use the name of Jesus, that excites me. But Jesus says, oh, that's nothing. Just be glad you're saved. I mean, it's just it's just somehow in the midst of this. And so sometimes what we have to, to understand is Jesus is communicating to you and I much more than we really understand think about this for a moment. Their question is appropriate. Why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we cast the demon out? And Jesus seems to be impatient, but in reality, he is taking this moment to reveal to these men who will turn the world upside down something very, very powerful. Jesus' statement of their unbelief, was really more a description of their faith rather than an appraisal of their reluctance to believe. In other words, Jesus was not trying to tell them that they were unbelieving. He was saying they had little faith. Not so much in measure or size or quantity, but he recognized, listen, if you go back and you do a word study, and this is why we need to study the word, He was saying to them, your faith is undeveloped, it's immature, and it's weak. And if there is anything that I have learned over the years of ministry and living as a Christian, is that faith is a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. So often I see people who have come to the place where in their faith, They've been challenged. They have been discouraged. They, they've come to this place where things aren't working out. And so rather than pressing in and pressing through, what they end up doing is they come to a place of neglect, and they set it aside, and their faith comes into a place that's unhealthy, unhealthy in their Christian walk. We need to pay attention to that, church. Listen to me. Let, me. let me just see if I could share this with you. This morning, we, it was interesting, in the 830 service or before the 830 service, there seemed to be a real heaviness. Several of us had remarked about it. I, when I was driving to church, I felt heavy, and I felt, have you ever had that voice talking to you in your mind? You know, that voice that'll say, oh, what are you doing? You're, you, you're, you're stupid. Nobody cares about what you have to say. You have, you have, you're, you're not a man of God. You, they just tolerate you there. You ever have that? And it felt that. I felt that heaviness. And several people came to me. Andy even came to me. He came to me after he opened the service. He goes, wow, it's heavy today. And I go, yeah, no, I feel it. Kathy came to me. And I actually called Kathy in to my office, my wife. And I, I said, look, we need to pray right now. I said, we need to pray. We need to take authority over this. Because listen to me, see, those thoughts and those feelings that you have when you have them, they're not yours. Do you understand that? See, the devil has a strategy. And the strategy of the devil is to undermine your faith. But look at the devil has no power in himself. The only thing he can do is deceive. And the goal of deception is to bring you into a place where you begin to feed him your power. Look at see, the Bible tells us that we as children of God, represent God in the earth, right? So we are, in many ways, the spokesmen. We are, the Bible calls us, ambassadors for Christ. So we speak for God. Why? Because God chose to create a system where his children would do the work, that they would take what God gives, they would take his power, his glory, his word, his strength, all that he is, his kingdom, and that we would express it in the world around us changing the world around us, and that's how God operates. So God operates through you and I. Well, the devil is a counterfeit. He's a copycat. And so what he wants to do is he wants to do the same thing God does. So the only way he can get something done is to get you to do it. And the Bible says this, there is power of life and death, the power of life and death in the tongue. So what does he do? He sows a thought that challenges your faith to get you to speak it. Because now you are empowering the thought. You believed a lie. You empower the liar. The strategy of the devil is to siphon the power of God off of you. And to use it to undermine what he's doing in you. And that's what happens. And so he comes along and what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to seize this. And he's wanting to stop what's happening. So this morning God's wanting to stop what's happening. Because I'm feeling like, you know, a misfit. I'm feeling like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do anything. I've been doing it for 32 years. You, ought to, you think you ought to know how to do it by now. But the devil's telling me you don't know what you're doing. Well, he is a liar. And you got to stop him. You got to stand. You got to resist. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So, what did we do? We stopped. It said, no, no, we're the children of God. And you're a liar. And what we're going to do is, we're going to cut off your lie. We don't believe your lie. We are not failures. We are not misfits. We know exactly what God wants us to do. And so what we're going to do is we're going to move forward and we're going to step out in our faith. The problem is so often people come to this place in their faith where they don't. And they buy into the lie. Because, you know, the lie, the best lie is a lie that's got a little bit of truth in it. It tastes not completely right, but not bad enough to spit out. <laughs> have you ever tasted something that was really bad? I mean, it's, it's, it's like rotten. You go, ooh, man, that, whew, that's bad. Or have you opened a jar of something, some unidentified thing in your fridge? It's been in there a while, and you're thinking, what is that? And so what we do is we open up and we, whoa, put that away. See, that's a no-brainer. That's no, that's no problem. But have you ever smelt milk and you went, eh, it's on the edge. It's risky. It's worth the risk. There's enough good in it. There's enough. It's not, it's not chunky yet. It doesn't look like cottage cheese. It, it's a, I don't know. It's, it's passable. See, that's what the devil does. He sows something that's passable. It's like, it's like, you know, there seems something a little odd about that. But you know what? Hey, I'm going for it anyway. And we buy into the lie. And what we do is we literally undermine our own faith. In Jude chapter 3 verses, or Jude chapter... Jude chapter 1, it only has one chapter, verse 3 and 4, it says this, Beloved, I love this, I love this portion of Scripture. He says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to all the saints. He says, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of God into lewdness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now Jude, it's interesting, he begins this passage by saying, I was eager to write to you about something we all enjoy, that we have in common, and that is salvation, He says, I wanted to talk more to you about salvation. But something happens because he feels urgent. He is compelled to change his subject. In fact, there is an intensity. There is a concern. There is this sense of seriousness in his voice. And in the Amplified Version, it says, I found it necessary, and I was compelled to write to you urgently to appeal to you. So something's happening. God is getting a hold of Jude and saying, hey, look, I know you want to talk about salvation. That's great. But what we really got to do is talk about this because this is more important. And what he says is, he says, you need to earnestly contend for the faith. Now, I know that in context, that this scripture is talking about the lifestyle, the faith of Christianity, You know, it's like when people say, you know, what faith are you of? Well, we're of the Christian faith. I know that that's the the, the context of this. But I don't believe it does any harm to the Scripture to talk about the fact that there is also an attack against faith. Because in our Christian faith, we are men and women of faith. And we walk in faith. And something's happening, and he says, look at we need to earnestly contend. Literally, he's admonishing them to protect, to guard, to invest in, to exercise, and use their faith in such a way that it guarantees it will grow in a way that will represent what God is actually doing. He's looking to stir them up. He's not looking for a passive response, he's, or a casual response. He's, he's looking for a passionate embrace of the Christian walk. See, I think this is probably where the root of the problem is, is because for many of us in the Western world, we are so casual about things unless they are immediately affecting us. What happens is we do things like, let's just use an example. I use this example in the 830 service. Let's think about it like this. It's, it's like we, we come to a place where we buy into a thought, like, let's take an election. Do you, know, do you know that you have the right, a God-given right, in this country to vote? To choose who will lead our country. But oftentimes, because we've become so frustrated and we've become so disillusioned and discouraged by the results of things, what happens is we buy into a lie that says this, my vote don't count, so what's the point? And so what we do is we go, I'm not voting. I've heard people many times have come up to me, I'm done voting, I ain't voting. And what happens is we forget The power of synergism. We forget that my vote plus your vote plus his vote and that vote and this vote all of a sudden create a power to where we can really change. And so the strategy is to undermine our belief system about the significance of our life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we buy into it. It don't matter. It don't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I live my life. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if I pray. It doesn't matter if I read my Bible. It don't matter. God's going to do what God does, and you know what? It's just all kind of fatal, but we're fatalistic. It's going to happen anyway. It's not true, because even more so in the kingdom of God, your vote counts. You can change the world from Kingman, Arizona. Kingman, Arizona, we're not a high-flying city. We're kind of, you know country town we're just a little small burg in the middle of a very hot desert it's like does anything good come out of kingman absolutely i'm coming out of kingman you say well what does that mean that means my vote counts what i say goes and all i need to do is add one more voice with me and now i got two the Bible says one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, and in the kingdom of God, it is multiplication, yeah. not additive. Can you say amen? Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, what I can do is I can begin to move, but see what happens is if I become casual in my response, ah, it don't matter. It don't matter if I go to church. I didn't forget where I was at. I'm just letting that sink. You say, why does it matter? Because your life may change somebody. See, if the only reason you're coming to church is for you, you've greatly missed the purpose of church. That's another sermon. I'll preach that later. I'll get there. See, what happens is we come into this place where it's just casual. God wants us passionate, and He wants us to embrace the truth of His Word for our life. See, so much of the time, we just walk in complacency. Nah, it's good enough. You know what? Good enough has been the enemy of so much of what God wants to do. Look at church, I, I, I think we should strive for excellence. Can you say amen? Amen. Everything we do, be excellent. I'm not saying perfect. There's the difference between perfection and excellence. Perfection, you got to get out of, outside of this world. Excellence is greatly attainable. We should not be complacent. But when we walk in complacency, when we walk in that casual response to our faith, the end result is we live far beneath The place that God has for us. Jude tells them there's an active attack against the faith and lifestyle of Christianity. He says certain men have crept in. They've slipped in. They look at he says they crept in unaware. In other words, church, there's right now, there are things that are going on inside of our lives that if we're not careful, we will be unaware and we, they will go unnoticed and they'll, they're working against us. Oh, yeah. And if we're not careful, we will stop nurturing our faith and the attack will go unch- unchallenged. And we will surrender and we never knew we were in a fight. I've often been asked that why we read things in the Bible that are not necessarily happening in present times. Oh, maybe they're happening here or there a bit, but it seems like it's not consistent. And I was thinking that for the most part, the reason why is because we're simply just unprepared. We're undisciplined. See, it's not about the Word. The Word is true. Can you say amen? Amen. It's not about God. God does not have a problem. There is no shortage in heaven. It's not like God wakes up one day and says, Gabriel, we've ran out of power. Doesn't happen. Somewhere what happens is we have failed to nurture and to build and to exercise our faith. Something happened, a crisis happened um, a little while ago just last week in my life that in times past would have really challenged my faith. And I'm going to share this with you. I got permission from Jason and Courtney because it concerns them. I forget which day it was last week, Jason and Courtney, because many of you know Courtney's pregnant, their third baby, little baby Wyatt. And she went to the doctor and... They went to do the ultrasound, and they did the ultrasound. Well, all of a sudden, the baby's heart re- heartbeat, heartbeat went up to 280, and it was fluttering. And so the doctor says, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. So they put her in the hospital down in Phoenix, and they hooked her up to all the monitors, and they immediately called us. And, and, and in times past, that would have freaked me out. I would have been like, oh. What's going to happen? I would have been worried. I would have been afraid. I would have been trying to do something, manipulate things. I would have even have been angry. But this time it was different. You, this time it was different. I looked at Kathy and I said, that baby is okay. And, and, and Kathy was just kind of looking at me and I, this is what I said. I said, because since the conception of that baby, since we knew about that baby's existence, even though it's not born, we have prayed for that baby. See, I've told you, this is nothing new. I've shared with you that Kathy and I have made a lifestyle. Every day we take communion. Every day. And so when we go through the body of Christ and when we go through the elements of, of, the, of the communion, the bread and the, and the wine, and we talk about the broken body of Christ, we pray for every family member by name, including Wyatt. And the day we found out that Wyatt was conceived... He went on the prayer list. And what we pray is we pray life, health, and wholeness over every family. So over Jason, over Courtney, over Titus, over Owen, over Wyatt, over Andy, Shay, Oliver, Alex, and Amy, and Kathy and I. And we also pray over New Life Church. And so for whatever time frame, how long, how long, far long is she? 32 what? Weeks. So for 32 weeks, we have been praying There's been an investment. So when the need, so when I needed to make a withdrawal on my faith, I went to my faith account, if I can use it in that illustration, and there was plenty there for the need. The problem, I believe, with most Christians and why we don't see is because of the fight, we stop investing and we stop depositing into our faith bank. And so when the need comes up, we're writing checks on overdrawn accounts. See, this is the strategy of hell. Hell. The strategy of hell is to get you to believe what you do doesn't matter. It's to get you to believe that when you read your Bible in the morning, when you take that 15 minutes and you read that and you say, Lord, cause that word to come in, and you sit quietly before him and you meditate on his word, the devil will come along and go, well, nothing's happening. Did you hear an audible voice? No, but you know what? I've, I've noticed that, you know, because people even come up to me and they'll say things like this. They'll say to me, Do you remember what God spoke to you a couple years ago? Nope, don't. Uh-huh. I don't remember what I ate a couple, I don't remember what I ate yesterday, but yeah. I know I ate. <laughs> the evidence is there. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is, I'm making an investment. And what I do is I read his word, I study, I pray, and it's not like that what I'm doing is going, you know what, I've got to do this or else God won't move for me. No, God has chosen to partner with me. He says, you know what, my grace is free. I'm going to bring you into my kingdom, and I'm going to give you my kingdom. I'm going to give you my name, and I am going to give you my word. And not only that, I'm going to give you my spirit. Now what I want you to do is I want you to work with that, and I want you to grow in that by daily use. And so we pray every day. We prayed for that baby every day. And when the phone call came, I looked at Kathy and I said, that baby is fine. Why? Because we prayed already. It's done. And you know what? The doctor agreed. I didn't talk to him. They put the monitor on her. They saw the fluttering, and they said, ah, oh, this ain't nothing. They, they, they said, well, there could be a malformation in the, in the heart. So they took pictures of the heart. The heart is completely formed normal. They said, well, maybe what's happening, the blood's not flowing, and it's pooling in the baby's body. Nope, blood is fl- flowing normally. The doctor scratched his head and says, well, sometimes things get worked out in the womb. And I thought to myself, it was kind of like God quickened and says, what are you upset about? I ain't done building it. I ain't done making that baby yet, so chill out. See, I love that. See, see, I, I, I pay my tithe and give offerings beside, and now I can call upon the promise of Malachi 3 that says, God will open the windows of heaven, pour a blessing out on me that I don't have room enough to contain. The problem is modern Christianity is, is a crisis response system. What we do is we wait until the crisis is upon us and we respond, God, please bail me out. And God says, no, Christianity is a relationship of you and I walking out life every day. And when crisis has come, you are prepared and I am there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I guess what I'm trying to encourage you to do, church, is to make an investment in your Christianity. And sometimes I know, I look at I, I've been doing this a long time. I've been saved for 49 years in the ministry, 32, and, and you know the story. And I've been doing it a long time. And, and I, I could tell you that I don't always have these miraculous, uh, you know, super spiritual, super spiritual moment things going on. But you know what? As I have been consistent, pushing through, studying my word, causing that word to come into me, feeding my spirit and my soul, praying, talking to my Jesus, allowing Holy Spirit to move. It's changing me. It's moving on me. It's preparing me for what's coming. No matter if it's blessing or challenge, I'm prepared. You know, there are very wealthy and extremely talented athletes that understand this one athlete i read an article one athlete spends 1.5 million dollars a year on personal trainers and health regiments and exercise and all of that so that he's always at peak performance even in the off season 1.5 million a year why because he loves to win you know, Paul wrote about that in Corinthians. He says this. Don't you know that when we're in a race, we're all there to win? He says, so run in such a way as to win. You're in the race. Let me, let me here, let me, let me, can I speak straight to you? Whether you want to be or not, you're in the race. If you're a Christian, you're racing. Now, you might be walking. You might even be laying on the sidewalk, but you're in the race. And Yeah you still got the number on you. You know, you know the numbers in America. marathon. It's on you. So Paul's going, you ought to run to win. He goes, they do it for an, imp-. he says, they do it for something that's perishing. A crown, of a laurel, a wreath that's going to go away. He says, we do it for something that's eternal. See, church, this is about relationship. Investing. You know, My wife and I, I, our relationship in in the last, I don't know, few years anyway, has kind of went exponentially better. And part of it is I think we've just learned how to invest in each other. Oh, I'm not saying that she don't aggravate me. She does. (laughs) And I am certain I aggravate her. Positive. But you know what? We, We... we invest in each other we talk to each other we send each other stupid little texts the other day it was funny i was sitting in the in the office and we were having a meeting and i just got thinking about my wife and just how much i love her and i don't know i was just having a moment so she i knew she was at the school working on her room so i texted her i love you and i sent a bunch of little hearts and you know all that in text well, then when I sent the text, my phone, which is demon-possessed and I have to pray over it, uh, decided to switch over into uh, the, the uh, uh, yeah, voice dictation. And so I started saying something to Pastor Alex. I Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. I hate them. And so all of this I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate is being texted to my wife right after so then I had to text her back and say, I didn't mean that. I, I love you. I'm, I'm not schizophrenic. I'm not loving you one minute and hating you the next. But you know what? Let me tell you something about Jesus. This is kind of going a little bit different than it went in 830. So I guess that's some of you need this. <clears throat> Jesus loves to hear from you. When, you, when you're driving down the road and you go, Jesus, I love you. Do you know he smiles? And he goes, I love you too. I say, man, Jesus, you, you are awesome. He goes, man, I think you're awesome too. So does he talk that way? Why is it that we are so convinced of the devil's voice and not God's? We are so in tune to that negative voice, aren't we? Well, you know what? I phew, life is horrible. You know, we're like Eeyore from What's the guy's name? Winnie the Pooh, that's who it is. Man, we need to we need to talk to Jesus. And you know what what happens is as you talk to him in daily life, and it's not crisis driven, You will get more and more familiar with His voice, and then you'll start hearing things like you'll be just you won't even be saying nothing, and all of a sudden Jesus will send you a text. He'll go, "Hey, I, I was thinking about you. I love you. You're awesome. I'm proud of you. You're doing a good job." See, that's building our faith, church. But we we here's the thing: we have got to stop being complacent. We have got to stop being passive. Ah, you know, I can take it or leave it. You know, I remember when um, Kathy and I were dating. There wasn't, if there was an opportunity to be with her, I was with her. I didn't even know who my parents were anymore. I didn't care. He said, that's a little harsh. We, our, we, we, we repaired our relationship later after we got married, but I loved her. I wanted to be with her 24-7. I didn't care. I just, we, my first phone bill, she lived outside of town, and it was long distance. This was before cell phones and text and all of that stuff. You guys that are dating now, you got it easy. I mean, you could be, be on the other side of the world and it costs you nothing. My first phone bill was $187. 187 dollars. Why? Because we would sit and listen to each other breathe, so much so that Dan had to make a rule. Get off the phone. Cause he, he was on call with the railroad. At Santa Fe is calling, they got a crack, and me and her are breathing on the phone. $187 and my mom made me pay every dime. My job, I made $103 a week. And I had a $105 car payment. I was in trouble. But it didn't matter. See, somewhere along the line, we got to get to that place where we go, it don't matter, God, I want you. I, want, I don't care how silly it is. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Because there is going to come a time to think that crisis won't come into your life is naive. Because the Bible tells us that storms come and they go, and he says, Jesus even says, when the storm, when the wind blows and the rain beats vehemently on your house, will you be founded on the sand or will you be founded on the rock? Well, church, I want to make that investment into the rock. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to ask Jason and the worship team to come. And I know today that this, I, I just was sharing from my heart because you know what, so much of the time we, we, we let our faith and we let our Christian life just rest in immaturity. We need to grow it. And the only way to grow it is to use it and to invest in it, right. to build it. Peter tells us, he says these words in 2 P- Peter chapter 1, he says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, and godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And you know what Peter is doing? He's challenging you and I to grow, to grow in our faith. John Piper said these words. He says, it's not a list of qualities to add to your faith, but rather qualities that further develop your faith. See, the thing that just so struck me the other day when we got the news about Wyatt, was the fact of how calm, how peaceful, how absolutely assured I was. Now this is done, it's over. And you know what? They're here, there's Wyatt. Here's Wyatt, he's right there. Still under construction. And he's going to be a healthy, we pray, this is what we say, we, we, we pray life, health, and wholeness over Jason, Courtney, Titus, Owen, and a very healthy baby Wyatt. That's what we say. And you know what? God's going to bless it. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning, church, that you take up and say, you know what, God, what do you want me to do? I don't know, maybe, maybe he wants you to take communion. I, I have just found that that has been such a rich blessing Maybe He wants you to do other things. Maybe He wants you to pray a little bit differently, or He wants you to start in the Word. I don't know. Seek Him. Ask Him what He wants you. Don't do what I do unless He tells you to do that. Do what He's telling you to do. What is it He wants from you? He will show you, and He will show you in a way that's kind and generous and loving. He won't condemn I know know sometimes, and the point that I made in the beginning, is sometimes he sounds harsh. But when you study his words, it's a loving father that's saying, come along with me. I've got something so much better for you. I've got something that is going to change everything in your life. And that's what he wants to do for you. Can you say amen? You know what? We're just going to take a moment, as we always do. and We're just going to enter into just a little bit of worship as we close this. And I I just want you to stand to your feet. And before we start singing this song, I just want to pray over you. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, that your hand would be upon each person here. Father, on everyone that is online right now that is watching, Father, I pray that you would quicken them and stir them. Father, I pray that you would nurture them and help them. God, reveal to them that which you would have them to do to where they should step out and start building their faith. Father, I just give you the glory for what you're doing in this church. And we thank you, Lord, that you are our champion. And we love you and we glorify you in the name of Jesus. Let's sing this song out to him. Let's just worship him.
2: When I lift my voice and shout every wall comes crashing down I have the authority Jesus has given me when I open up my mouth miracles start breaking out I have the authority Jesus has given me, when I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down, I am the authority, Jesus has given me. When I open up my mouth Miracles start breaking out I have the authority Jesus has given me You are my champion Giant stand undefeated every battle you won and i am who you say i am you crown me with comfort and i am seated in the heavenly place undefeated by the power of your name i am seated in the heavenly place of defeated with the one who is conquered it all Yes Jesus We thank you Lord God we thank
0: you for the fact that God You You win the battle but you call it our victory Lord God, we thank you for what you're doing and in our hearts. Lord God, I, I pray, Lord, that we, we accept this challenge that you've presented to us this morning of engaging deeper, of going farther with you, Lord God. God, really taking on this mantle of, of relationship, God, that we just actively in our day-to-day life God, we seek your face, we seek your hand, we, we seek your will in our lives, Lord. God, and I just pray as we leave this place, Lord, that you give us the strength and the courage to persevere, to hold a standard and be a light in a lost, dying, and broken world. God, that we could be a place of hope, Lord, that we could be a place of love and compassion. God, we that there may be people that we come across who have been hurt by Christians or by church or that, God, that we can represent who you are, a loving father, a loving dad, Lord, that we can be that tool for you. And we thank you for what you're doing in and through this place. In Jesus' name amen. Our prayer team is coming up. If you have any need, if you want someone to contend with you, pray for you, that is what they are here for. Uh, Why don't you uh, just love on someone as you leave. We thank you for coming to church. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.